Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another episode, episode 18, actually, of the Event Tech Talk Show. Um, before I get into welcoming our guest today, um, which he will be giving his practical tips to improve on your last virtual event, um, a quick reminder, um, if you have missed any of the back catalogue of episodes of the Event Tech Talk Show, you can go to eventtechtalks.com and you can grab the audio or the video interview version of that episode. Um, and obviously, all episodes are available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all the other major podcasting channels. So go there, subscribe, give us a thumbs up if you have five minutes and maybe listen to an episode on the commute or on a bike or on your way to your next in-person event, maybe. Um, and also a quick reminder, Event Tech Live London registration is open now for our hybrid event across the 1st to the 5th of November. So it's five digital days combined with two physical days across the 3rd and the 4th of November. Um, we are back at the Old Truman Brewery in London hosting you in person as well as broadcasting all of the content from that event live into our virtual event platform. It's free to register, um, so if you can make it online, fantastic. If you can make it in person, even better. So, as I said, joining me today is Sean Cheng, Client Solutions Manager at MCI Group. Sean, welcome to today's episode. Hey Adam, thanks for having me and uh, for those uh, who are watching, thanks thanks for watching and good morning, good afternoon or good evening. Uh, yeah. My name is Sean and uh, I'm based in Vancouver, Canada. Um, I, I had a day job, which is I work for MCI Group that... Um, that we execute a uh, different type of uh, experience uh, for association, for corporation, uh, or for whoever um, who, who had a need of engagement in their, their community. And um, I'm also, uh, just during COVID, um, just me and my friends who starting a passion project. And that passion project, I think, is about a year now. Um, so I'm also the co-founder of Event Prosperation. Um, which is a, a community of event professionals who, who come together regularly and we, we test and play around uh, technology uh, in the event industry space and provide our honest feedback. That's amazing, mate. Actually, just on Event Prof's break ship, you've actually covered quite a lot of the event technology platforms that people will be familiar with. Spatial Chat, Swapcard, Shindig, Rally and Twine. Could you expand a little bit on that concept? What made you come up with that? Well, um, the, this whole thing starting with the frustration, um, I think many event uh, planner can can relay last year is there are just too many demo. Uh, and then the demo with technology company, unfortunately, uh, because of how the way sales were, there's always a formula that you always need to go through them, especially if you are sales who are not really familiar with the space. And, and it's just very frustrating for us that, that it all sounds like the same, all seems like the same, or we want to ask questions, but there's no chance for us to ask those questions. Um, so it was actually starting with a, with a platform, which is actually not on the blog post called Wonder uh, last year. So last year, uh, Wonder was actually called a different name. I believe they called Utri back then. Uh, and uh, Wonder is similar like Spatial Chat. Um, so they are like, a, uh, they, are, they so-called uh, kind of a proximity chat that 
people have a dot you can walk around when you meet people video come out you can talk right so it's like a real networking um, i still remember very obviously is my friend Anne, uh, who's work for twine right now um that she asked them how how many people you can host and then they tell her unlimited and then that was like okay <laughs> Um, so we, we can, I think we gathered quite a few, like definitely more than 100 people. Uh, and then we broke the platform, I think, in 15 minutes. There's so many lagging and a lot of things that they didn't thinking about. And then that's kind of how brought us, uh, get us the inspiration actually is, oh, you know what, this is actually a thing that I think our community would really like. And then we're starting to doing this uh, regularly now. Uh, we had actually since funny you mentioned about twine as you can see that was kind of the official first one that we are doing um i'm actually happy to announce uh, we are doing another one with them in october uh they have a brand new function is about to launch i believe today <laughs> um that that we were actually testing that out so um and since we are we are, we are live here um, we're always looking for uh, technology company who are willing to join the crazy ride with us because um, we know this is not for everyone uh, and sometimes the experience might not be comfortable I need to say because that's the whole point is we're trying to find your buck right trying to find which the part that we don't like right um, but hopefully at, at the end that that you will be they will be able to find the benefit of it to continue to improve um, their product and then that will make us as a, as a planner who like to use their product. It's such a great idea. So many people start out in the event tech space and they don't have the bandwidth to test themselves. They don't have the quality assurance. And it's great to have event profs come in and actually do that for them live and give them live feedback, ultimately, so they can make it better. I think it's a great idea. Out of interest, Sean, is there something that keeps recurring that you found personally? Is there a commonality between it? Something that kind of keeps popping up that is the same across all of these platforms? Um, I would say actually by now that what we find uh, interesting is, uh, and which is shouldn't be surprised for everyone, is how important it is for onboarding. Mm. Um, how important it is for communicate to your user on how to actually using your product. Um, and, and a lot of time, especially I think at this point, we all experience a lot of different platform, different technology. Sometimes we feel our audience might already know how to do those, how to use, like people will know how to use Zoom, right? No, you're wrong. <laughs> and, and, and so what we find that with a lot of the, the, the event that we organize that if the company actually uh, invests with manpower so you know they sometimes they have their staff who also join uh, or they have actually started uh, their staff to 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 record introduction video of some sort that that will actually make uh, the experience a bit more smoother um so instead of a lot of question about i cannot log in i don't know how to move around uh, there's like i'm lost um those will be avoided and then people will be able to uh, step into the next phase, which is actually thinking about how to using them. Um, so that would be, I think, would be a good common uh, feedback I would say to the technology company in ours. That you know, no matter how you think people are comfortable with technology right now, um, it's still very important to go back to the base and have a really proper communication. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with what you said there.
So for those brave event technology companies, event tech startups that are listening in or watching um, this podcast, this episode on demand, reach out to Sean and the rest of the team. Sean can be found on Sean C Event on Twitter. Um, get your tech in front of these guys, you know, have it tested live and have them break it if that's possible. So today's episode, Sean, it's your practical tips to improve on the last virtual event. I'm going to bring up your LinkedIn post, which I think is a really good starting point. You actually posted the other day that that the industry is actually rushing off a little bit to this hybrid format and could possibly be leaving behind a really valuable gold mine in virtual events. For those that are watching or listening, I'll link to this in the show post notes so that you can actually see Sean's LinkedIn post live and the comments because it got a lot of engagement actually from the community there. Sean, but could you actually elaborate on why you posted that and why you feel this way? I think it just, um, first of all, like I was very surprised the engagement that I get from that post. That was definitely not intentional. Uh, and appreciate everyone who, 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 who look at it and actually provide your comments so that conversation can start it. But um, I, I posted something last week is just about like, well, everyone is talking about hybrid events. And as much as I love hybrid events, I actually execute hybrid events before. Um, I just feel that also people kind of get get just rushing out from the virtual space very fast. At least that's a lot of the people, but I feel that they are, everyone talking about hybrid, but what they really talking about is actually in-person plus some sort of digital component. Uh, and then that people are trying to figure out what that means, right? Um, that I find in my, it, it will be a shame that if we, if we, if we, if we just complete like if we rush out too fast, you know, from the virtual space, because as you know, um, regulation is still, still exists for many, many country. International travel is still not as what will be sustained for a lot of the business when they rely on international business traveler. And, and many company or organization that, that might still heavily need to stay in the virtual space in some, some sort of form. And a lot of the thing that we did last year that we actually, I think what happened last year is we actually identify um, what's, what's wrong. I think what happened last year is we identify a lot of the challenge in the virtual space. And I think we, some people should stay on a little bit longer to try to, uh, you know, bring up some solution or improve or solve those challenge in the virtual space because um, like, I am not a video gamer person, uh, but my brother are. And I know, and my brother even that young, and <laughs> he's over 30 right now as well. So like, like those people, they like the people who are, who are passionate about video game, what that is part of their life, they don't have an engagement issue, right? Like when we're talking about virtual event, that, oh, there's no engagement, there's no real engagement. You're wrong. They have very high engagement, probably higher than a lot of our in-person event. So the things will, like, I mean, there are a potential out there and that shouldn't be, um, that's what I say is a gold mine that we might lie behind, that, you know, that is a place people might want to stay a little bit longer because you might actually find more value than simply just rushing back for the old way. 
I think it's a really interesting point. We are probably rushing on a little bit too quickly. Dahlia's actually posted a really interesting statement here that hybrid should be deleted from our vocabulary. Do you agree with that? Or is it a really overused term that we've seen over the last 18 months in the industry? I think it's definitely overused. It's like pivot was overused last year. Um, but respectfully disagree that I, I don't think, I think hybrid is still, still a thing and very much so that some organization or some planners should invest your time and resource to try to make it work. Um, but I feel it shouldn't be everyone. And I feel, um, and also that kind of big hyper is kind of like a, like a hot topic right now, right? So if you are doing trading uh, in your private, private life, then you know when a stock is high, what you would do is you will sell or you will not do anything. <laughs> That's kind of what the feeling I have right now, at least personally. <laughs> Do you have a do you have a preferred or defined type of event in your book in, in your book now? Like do you do you see an event now, like, that is the perfect mix of hybrid? That is the perfect mix of hybrid? I think I I personally really think um, a hot and spot type of hybrid will work really well with a lot of the association type of organization um, that you do small hop in person and you don't you you maybe you connect or maybe you don't um that 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 you have that sort of engagement going right um but i also feel you know the traditional model of like the most common one at least i experienced is you had the big in-person event uh, but you also equally had a live have a live audience virtually uh, on the platform who will who have their own programming but they also have uh live streaming uh, from the in-person spot um, it's actually what olympic are doing right i know for like for example my friend sina who's watching who might disagree that this is a hyper event that she would say this is a broadcast event <laughs> um but i think olympic is a really perfect way to 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 look at if you're looking for some sort of hyper in that in that way that you had a big in person but you also equally had a big kind of a virtual audience engaging a different way the big challenge for hybrid is the money, right? Like if you want to do that, that means you are technically running two parallel events. Um, and, and a lot of the time is you don't need to connect. And I think that's another thing is a lot of the, right now, a lot of the conversation on hybrid, what I what I participate, that I, I can see a lot of discussion is about how you connect the audience, right? How do you connect the, the, the virtual audience and the in-person audience? But I also would like to challenge, do they need to be connected, right? Like a lot of the time they probably don't, right? Like I attend a few virtual events. Uh, actually, I attend a few events for the past few weeks. They are hybrid events. So, you know, they have in-person lo location somewhere else. And I, because I'm in Vancouver, I can only attend virtually. Um, for me, I attend because I want to watch session. I don't, I actually just being very obvious here, like very honest here, I actually don't like to connect with people out there. Like, so if they are scheduled like a networking event for us to talk to them, I will skip. I, that's not the whole point for me to join that virtual event. Right? I know it's very different for everyone and it's very different. Um, like there are a few virtual events that I join I don't really care about the content, but I want to connect with people, then my behavior will be a little bit different, right? But I that just show how how complex a hybrid event 
need to be because they are uh, they need to serve so many different needs and objectives from the audience. So then you come down to the question, do you really need it, right? And so what's wrong with keep them separate? What's wrong with that? I think, really, I think you've got a really good point there. Right now we have to decide where does my event sit in this event mix, especially if it's been a predominantly physical event in the past. We had a comment from Rachel actually that I think um, is a really good definition. Um, she has it as a blended event. What blend do I need to make my event? Is it more digital? Is it more physical in person? Or is it an even split? Personally, if I'm honest, I don't think it's a question that we can actually uh, explain in a few weeks or months. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I would even say, I think next year will be really the year we see more, which is fair, like people talking about hybrid event and strategy right now, and they will execute next year. And then we will probably get a better idea on how the common way people are doing, right? Um, because this year is still really much, I think besides US and you, you, you like, that I don't think like a larger events are able to happen even right now. Like in Canada, we can have, we can, but in a very restricted way. And that's still very inconvenient for many of the delegates that I know a lot of my clients that they still choose to, to stay in virtual space this year. Um, that do they like it? They don't, but that's how that's how the reality is and then then that's kind of come down to one what i think the topic we want to talk about today right is like how um yes they're staying virtual but they you as a planner we should be able to and we need to be able to deliver a different type of virtual experience a better virtual experience for them like the one that i did in this summer um like i really like one of the comments from the audience after the events is uh you know I will 100% prefer to meet my college in person, but this virtual event is by far the best experience I have. You know, those are type of the common, I think is what we should aiming for, that you're just doing something different and more innovative um, than what you did last year that you rushed to put something together. I think about this like when producing events for the film industry. They focus on the content and then it's up to the audience to decide how they actually engage with that. Some go to the cinema, have the experience of being there on the big screen. Others will wait for it to, you know, come out on Netflix. And others will choose to watch it on their own or invite some friends around or even invite friends to go to the cinema and enjoy it as a group and experience that together. And we're not far off as event producers delivering content in the same way um, on different platforms. And ultimately, the way that people choose to engage with that content and in whatever format is ultimately up to them. I think if we're honest, the major challenge that most people are facing in the industry at the moment is where does the budget and the sponsorship dollars go? I think that's the biggest thing where people are swaying back to which side of hybrid that they go back to, um, bringing in the physical side of the event. Many have not had the chance or the time to be able to figure out how those sponsorship travels. Sp Many have not had the time or bandwidth to figure out how those physical sponsorship dollars translate online and achieve the same income or the same value proposition. I think if they did, many people would be slightly reluctant to actually rush back to a physical side of the event when you have to consider the complications, especially with COVID still around. We have to admit, it's safer 
and somewhat less disruptive to actually host uh, an event online uh, over a physical value, uh, physical venue. Do you agree? Do you think people are swayed by the sponsorship dollars at the moment? I think, I mean, the hundred percent, right? Especially for, um, but then again, that come down to the way I would say the way event usually get fun in the past, no matter it's association event or corporate event, right? It's 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 on it's depending on the sponsorship dollar, um, and there's nothing wrong with it, right? But then I think the question right now is really um, last year when everyone rushing to virtual, um, yes, your sponsorship dollar was done, uh, and many sponsors come back to you and say they don't see the ROI. Right. They don't see the engagement. People like no one. I think by now, I think we can semi-comfortable say that at least right now, all the virtual booths out there in the market, they are not effective. Right. I'm not saying they will always be ineffective, but at least right now, I haven't seen any of the virtual booths that is effective. But then the question actually should be, but you, you should we should not stop here, right? We should not then say, okay, it's not effective, so we need to go back to the traditional booths, right? We should continue to ask the question is, why is not effective? Is it because the technology are not doing it, doing well, so the technology need to improve? Or is actually because the, the, the exhibitor and then the, the sponsor that they are uh, staffing the wrong staff? Right, because maybe it's because they are staffing their sales to be on the virtual space and then the sales will complain no one come visit. Because really a virtual booth is like an online customer support portal. So you might need to have your marketing or community manager team to be staffing so they can try to actively engage audience in a digital and virtual space. Or maybe that is that is not the answer. Then maybe the answer should be you should actually not looking at virtual booths, but heavily bad on content and advertising. Right. I was, I was talking to my my client sometime this week on um, sponsorship as well. It's um, you know, like company also need to that's kind of what I feel sometimes you the, from company perspective, you might want to actually divide the team who focusing on engaging on virtual and team engaging on in-person because it's a different skill set and different way to do it. Like for your virtual event activation team, they might be a bunch of creator and marketer who are familiar with digital platform and they are good with, you know, coming up with short click video, uh, like they know how to create those attractive interactive content that will grab people's eyeball. And their ROI is the click rate, maybe. Their ROI is not how many leads that I created with that person. And the ROI is not about understand what you need, maybe. The ROI is the click rate and their ROI is the subscription rate or download rate, right? It's very different and I, I totally, understand and respect why a lot of companies are frustrated because they have the wrong person to doing the wrong job, right? Like they can be, there are a lot of the salespeople are amazing salespeople that like they can met me with 
like that we never met and in 15 minutes they know everything about me but i don't know how they do it but asking those open-ended <laughs> questions and they will know more about me than what i need but they need that environment to do it and just at least for now i, I don't think that is what a virtual space really are and so you might be different right so that's kind of what i feel is you know the question should be should we should continue to ask those questions and dive deeper that we identify a lot of those questions last year and i think we should continue explore more and then starting to experience and try to come up with different solution rather than uh, make a judgment on this is not working we need to move on so yeah what i'm taking away from that sean do you think we should as event planners, as the event owners, that's companies and asking them to invest in our events. Do you think we need to rethink and repackage the value proposition and present it in a much different way? My analogy there would be Forbes magazine. Nobody's looking at the ROI from uh, being featured in Forbes magazine because the value is actually very apparent. Um, people understand what that value proposition is when they're associated with that media brand and be presented to that audience. The opportunity to talk to them about your niche, your industry, your products or your business. I doubt anybody's looking on a spreadsheet for the ROI that they got from the Forbes magazine feature. It's presented in a totally different way. So do you think we need a different mindset when it comes to physical events and lead capture qualification versus online? And it's a different position and play and therefore a different strategy when it comes to these companies engaging with the audience i would say yes and then but i also understand fully like how difficult it is um that i understand that because sometimes it's not about we want to change right it's our client right or um our committee that they don't or our sponsor Right, like mm. they don't, they they don't understand. They need to change the way they measure their success or their investment. Um, and but someone need to start, right? Like I, I think I think like one thing I learned a lot from a like by working an agency is um, you will gladly take small win, and you will not dream of dramatic big win. That's unfortunately, but that just, at least that was my experience. You know, like, you know, you are not moved the mountain overnight. It's more like a needle and it, or it's more like you step one foot and you step out two feet back. Right? And, and it's always this type of conversation with your client or with your, sometimes with your, with your, with your own company as well, right? But someone needs to start it. And I feel that should be the mindset that we always have. Um, and that's how, I think we can continue to improve as a community of a planner in the industry is we are, I think a lot of the, a lot of the comment about the event industry, I think we can all agree is they say we are, um, you know, somehow react to change slowly, right? Like we always joke, especially we both really passionate about technology that mm -hmm. we know that whatever, like we always joke about whatever happened at CES this year, probably will show up at event space in 30 years, right? That's yeah. just, that's kind of how, how kind of the, the slow path that we adapting into this type of change. But why, like why you need to be like this, right? Like as a, as a planner or, or, or supply, whatever your title or 
position you think you are is I think we should all if we think this is ridiculous like why 30 years take so long then we should all take our part by pushing that a little bit further but with the understanding that it will not come overnight right like but with everyone all do a little bit more a little bit more and then suddenly something became a standard right and then like and then for example just using the the, the just using zoom as an example right like i think last year everyone is using zoom no one can 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 question about it and we're talking about how how kind of um, how kind of um uh, a lot of limitation uh, that Zoom come in terms for deliver, um, you know, virtual content or virtual engagement, um, vice versa to right now, you know, they make a lot of improvement, but a lot of the limitation is still out there, right? But we also know that at least by right now, uh, a lot of planner are figure out a way how to work around with it. And then that knowledge have been shared. And I think right now, even at, at least just my experience this year that when I watch different content experience that, you know, they're on Zoom, but you, you just feel the virtual experience better. You know, you feel uh, the content flow is better. Um, and more and more people starting to have pre-roll video, no matter how basic they are. And that small thing changed the, or increased the, the viewing enjoyability dramatically. And those are the things are not big, you know, it's not everyone had a production studio able to produce their virtual content as much as we both love to see more like that, right? But at home, people are able to produce better virtual content now. And I think we just, we should not stop here and we should keep pushing. Yeah, totally, I have to agree. It's the small incremental um, improvements to video production all of those incremental improvements add up to a really big amount. All of a sudden, you can have a much, much more highly polished and produced event and experience for the audience, which means that's the thing that's lasting in their mind. Ultimately, it's the experience that they have of the event, the reason they'll come back later on down the line. That's some really good advice, Sean. It's those little, little incremental improvements that add up to a really big difference and change in the way that we deliver events. Just one point there that you made. I sometimes feel that the tech may get a little bit more flack than it really should. Because as an industry, our expectations of where the tech should be was way, way ahead of where the platforms were at the time, at the beginning of the pandemic. But really those platforms were at a point which was the demand of the industry, really. Nobody was in high demand of virtual event platforms nearly two years ago some companies that were doing stuff but then all of a sudden demand outstripped supply and the platforms did a lot to innovate and change and improve based on the feedback that were coming in from the industry and their customers at the time so things like we need session chat we need polls we need quizzes we need one-to-one -one networking meetings all these things and obviously that personally i'm biased I have event tech live and the event tech talk show so i'm gonna somewhat defend the platforms but I really do think they should be given a round of applause for the amount of work that they put in in such a short period of time that allowed us to continue delivering our events, even though online. And honestly, the events that we're producing virtually now are worlds apart from those that we were producing 18 months ago, even as our, ourselves as an industry. And that in part is to do with the 
platforms themselves as much as it is to do with the event managers and event producers. Now, this isn't um, practical tips for virtual events, but I know it's something that you're really passionate about, and that's sustainability. And I want to pose this question to you, because I feel that this is something that might crop up um, often. And that is that all of a sudden, people, because they have virtual offering or a hybrid offering, this is a tick box in sustainability. And I hope that this is not the thing that people say, hey, we're a sustainable event because we have the option for people not to come physically. What do you think about that? What's the role that hybrid events can play when it comes to sustainability from your perspective? I would say, I mean, the the, the click bar of by having a virtual event that I'm green is definitely a bit too, too, too narrow, I would say. Mm. Um, but I will also say it, it definitely works to putting as part of your overall sustainable strategy, right? Because you you do offer um, a chance to reduce carbon footprint and reduce all the all the all, all the travel related uh, energy waste uh, by offering a virtual uh, option for your delegates to attend. Um, but this shouldn't, in my opinion, this shouldn't be the only option uh, of your overall experience. Um, I am like, I, I, I am passionate about the project, but I am not an expert of it. Uh, and then I, I will highly suggest a lot of people um, to like, if you are as well, uh, follow a few people in the, in the industry. You know, I think Sean McKenzie, uh, Sean McKenzie was amazing. Um, and then I think, um, I think actually, I think UK and, and Scotland um, is, is pretty on the, on the leading part, especially uh, I think Scotland is going to host the, um, the COP26, right? It's like one of the biggest sustainable uh, conferences happening up. And, um, I, I think when you're talking about sustainability, um, you you should. Uh, it, it is a conversation about partnership with all your stakeholder. Um, I think venue and destination play a very very critical role to it. Um, and it's kind of like what you just said earlier about the the tech platform and the planner, right? There's really no one is the real hero. Both are. Right? It it, it needs to be a continued conversation between both. Um, I do want to mention that I think on sustainability from uh, a lot of the time that we kind of forget the the uh, the, the contribution your audience can do. Um, we did something uh, two years ago when when I organized uh, one of the live events, actually with ECAT Congress, um, that we did uh, something very new. It was very basic and very last minute uh, at the conference. Um, but it was something that um, that I am very proud of, and then I will continue to do it for any life event if I'm able to organize another life event. Oh my god! Um, it's called a sustainability checklist for your audience. Um, so what we did is we actually come up with a checklist, and then we tie them with UN SDG goal. So you know the sustainable development goal. That I think there are. 24 or 18 of them, I apologize, I forgot a number. Um, and then we tie them in and we basically send that, we have that in the app and then we send that to the delegates and we encourage them to, to using it. And there are a few are using them, which we are very happy about. And those, those are very simple, you know, you can open it every day and you say like, do I choose to walk to the venue or take the start of us, right? 
Did I bring my own water bottle or I need to buy a water bottle, right? Did I choose to have a vegetarian meal today uh, or not, right? Now, those are like very simple things, but those are the things add up. And like at the end of the event, we actually announce because it's a, it's a, again, this is another proof of how technology can enhance um, not just the experience, but actually overall impact of something good, right? Because at the end, we are able to uh, analysis those data that coming in and then be able to come up with kind of a, a very basic line understanding of, you know, at the, this week, um, how many water be safe? You know, like this week, uh, because of how many people choose to walk rather than take the bus, this is potentially the air pollution that we, we help support. And um, so those are the things that I can, and those are super simple to implement. And then I think uh, like, I'm really proud with our team who come up with the idea. It was again, it was a very small, it was very basic when we did it two years ago. Uh, but you know, those kind of the thing that um, I think sometimes we forget that, you know, we can do a lot as an organizer, you know, you can buy the carbon offsite uh, and then you can try to do the big and bold thing, right? But sometimes it's also good to engage with your audience, especially if it's the right crowd, you know, if the crowd is, it's also very into sustainable and the earth, that type of issue, then this is something also will make you feel happy and their engagement will be higher as well. So it's kind of a win-win situation. I think that's really, really important that your point there is that it's sometimes the simple things. And if we do the simple things and remind people of the simple things, even just simply just asking people, hey, can you walk to the venue? Can you do this? Can you do that? That enacts um, as a reminder. And therefore, you know, most people are happy to do that. I, I certainly would. And I think, you know, it's if we don't measure it, we can't change it, can we? So we've got to understand those little incremental things that we're doing. Hey, if we ask 10,000 people to walk to our venue, how much carbon is not not emitting by them not getting public transport. Interestingly, Sean, my question to you is, is that is that checklist available anywhere for, for the listeners of the viewers to be able to grab a hold of? Because I think that's something that would probably be really useful. Um, uh, unfortunately, I'm not really sure. <laughs> I need to go find it. Um, or you can ask Ika, because this technically is their property. <laughs> We'll, we'll do that then. We'll ask Ika. Yeah. <laughs> um, my final question to you, Sean, um, and this is a personal question. I mentioned to you this at the beginning of the podcast. Um, something that I've been liking to do is, is ask a very personal question to my guests on a little tool, a little piece of technology or something like that that they're finding helpful. And I'll start off because I'm, I'm a big fan of introducing new things to the audience. So one of the things that I have been um, kind of a real fan of is uh, a new platform called Kamua, if I'm pronouncing that right. And what we're using this for, um, or starting to use this for at Event Industry News, is a really quick automated process of taking podcasts like this or other footage, so let's say our Event Tech Live footage, and automatically resizing it through AI. Now, that might not sound complicated, uh, but for people that don't necessarily have editing skills, it's it's a it's a like myself, it's a really good tool. Um, but what's really interesting to me is that it tracks what it would deem to be the main um, characters we've kind of seen on screen here. For, for anybody listening, please do go and check out the video, podcast or kamua.com. 
um, and it's tracking the, the main character. So for this, this is really helping us to become um, more efficient in taking the existing content that we've got and producing it and repurposing it for social media platforms and things like that. Is there anything that you're using in your personal life? And it doesn't have to be a, a, a platform like this. It could be a, a small tool. It could be anything. Is there, is there anything that you rely on to, to really help you with, with your day-to-day -day kind of running of, on MCI? I will say for me, um, I actually right now really rely on an app called Clockify. Um, that's how we work at MCI uh, that we track our hour because, you know, like as agency, we need to track our hour. And uh, I'm really happy. Uh, and we used to have a very outdated. We, we, we first of all, when I first started, we used Excel. Uh, and then we, we, we went into a, a, a CRM system, which is very outdated and very hard to use. Um, so I'm really happy that, that our managers introduced Clockify, I think, last year. And it was it was life changing that I, I, I love it and it was so easy to use. And this is what I personally like technology is like they're just so easy to use. you don't even need training. Like I don't need training on Clockify that I figure it out. And those are the technology I really like. Um, I personally, I am also uh, a big fan of a meditation app called Simple Habit. Um, so they're kind of like calm, um, but they are uh, also, I think, AI power type of thing. I don't know whether that is true or not, but they call themselves AI power, um, that they will uh, recommend meditation to you. Um, so their, 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 their app is almost like a Netflix, but with a bunch of meditation classes that I use in quite often. What I really like them is they had a, actually a function, which is like a, like a menu that you can choose something very, very basic. Um, that, and then they even had like a, like SOS type of meditation, which they, you really, really feel so I just click it and then they will have something to you know, help you calm down, which is very helpful. They have a free version. I think you can pay for it, but you, they also have free version that already have tons of different medication clip that can get you through different type of situation. Those are the two that I'm be using. Well, thank you very much, Sean. I guess you, I asked for one and you gave us two. Um, Sean, thank you very much for coming on today and spending some time with us. Um, for anybody watching, do go out, check out Sean on Twitter. I'm, a, I'm an avid follower of his. Uh, he's in my Twitter feed with notifications enabled because he shares some real gems there. And, and check out his LinkedIn as well and follow him there because um, just like the post that we showed earlier, he's got some really strong thoughts on virtual events and hybrid events and where they're going forward. So I'm sure he's going to be a wealth of knowledge. Um, check out event prof break shit get involved as an event prof put your tech forward if you're an event technology company let them let them break it we actually have somebody here who i feel like sean should should join the team we call him the tech terminator he he is our in-house um, person that that breaks the platforms um that that we use more often than not um everybody that's tuned in today thank you very much thank you to tess cena william dahlia Dijan, everybody, Rachel, that's posted comments, Mark Gordon, James Morgan, all the way from Saudi Arabia. Thank you for engaging with today's episode. And um, again, once again, thank you to Sean for, for coming on. And we'll see you in the next episode.